Hello everyone and welcome to another preview here of well the World Championships 2023. It is in Glasgow and I mean we might as well have a real Glasgow, well not really, a pretend Scottish man with us and it is Mr. Craig himself, Ewan Wilson. I mean Ewan, <laughs> you can pretend all you want. Um, but uh, yeah, the World Championships, uh, obviously a huge race. It's the one, well Sometimes the one day of the year where trade teammates are not teammates any longer and they're national teammates. And uh, this year, we're going to see it unfold on Glasgow roads. And uh, yeah, world championships, what's kind of in the road race anyway, what's kind of hit home for you in recent years? Well, I mean, first of all, let's just address it. A world championships in August, we weren't really expecting this one, but they've, um, UCI and uh, Scotland themselves have made a super world championships where uh, the mountain biking, the track cycling, uh, and the road racing is all happening in the same country in the same period of about two weeks, which is very exciting indeed. It has shuffled around the calendar an awful lot, but it is just, I mean, super exciting for us fans. And also, this is the first World Championships in Scotland, which is also very, very exciting. And with the route that we have on offer, it's going to be a banger. Looking back into years gone by, the World Championships rarely disappoints. It's a very unique race, unpredictable. You're not going to see a race like this Probably ever again. Well, I mean, you alluded to it there, Ewan. What is the route like in Glasgow? We kind of touched on it in the echelon. We touched on it, Patrick and I, and uh, it's a very punchy affair. It is. In total, this is 271 kilometers in length, and that's a total elevation gain of 3,570 meters, which is very similar to Amstel Gold. Everything, though, will kick off in the Scottish capital of Edinburgh. There we will begin the road race by crossing the fourth on, I think we're crossing it on the new bridge that, that, that they built in the past 10 years. Crossing the river, you'll be able to see the beautiful fourth rail bridge. Crossing into Fife, do we have a couple kilometers through there before coming back towards uh, Glasgow, which is really Scotland's cultural capital and the largest city in the country. There is a, uh, a sort of rolling section before, after about 100 kilometers of racing, that will sort of crescendo with Crow Road. It's not too difficult of a climb, probably will not challenge anybody, particularly the contenders, before they reach the circuit with 143 kilometers to go yes a city circuit much like many world championships the 14 kilometer long course well we we sort of join it up on the west end of glasgow on byers road a particularly sort of famous part of the city sort of the hipstery section by the university of glasgow then we we dive into towards glasgow city center and there are probably I mean, a couple of notable hills to be tackled. We'll cross the finishing line for the first time, the finishing line on George Square, before we we navigate our way through Buchanan Street, which is Glasgow's main sort of shopping street. We'll then head up sort of the first climb of the day towards St. Vincent Street. It's this big, long drag. It's about 500 meters in length. It is very, very pronounced. The road surface isn't good normally. I don't know whether they've repaved it recently, but that will be sort of the first notable hill of the circuit. After that, we move sort of right deep into the West End once again and towards Kelvin Grove. There we have uh, the University Avenue Climb, which is 200 meters at an average of 6%. And then leaving the West End, we go up Great George Street, which is a really steep kicker, which averages about 7% for 300 meters. We then pass through Kelvin Grove Park once again and moving towards sort of the the bougiest 
part of Glasgow, looking towards Park Circus and so forth. Uh, but we re-enter the main proper city of Glasgow for Scott Street climb. It's 100 meters in length and at an average gradient of 13%, but it does reach 20%. It is five kilometers from the finishing line and it will be a difficult, difficult test for these riders. However, the big sort of climb of the day, the most iconic climb you could say is Montreux Street, which uh, takes the riders right through the center of the campus of the University of Strathclyde. That is 160 meters in length and it's an average grade into 13%. Tops out at 15%. It is a tough old hill. I know there's going to be lots of fans here. It's going to be like the Mur von Heratsberge of Glasgow on the day. And on the final lap, this will come at 1.4 kilometers to go. From that point, they will take a right turn at the top of the, of the climb. They will, they will dive down into the city where they will negotiate a hell of a lot of turns before the final corner, which comes at 400 meters to go. Then there'll be a mad dash to the line in George Square once again. A really, really interesting route as a whole. A super technical once you go to the city of Glasgow and also all those hills to be taken from Montreux Street, Scott Street, University Avenue, all across Glasgow. It's going to be a fantastic race. I'm really, really excited for you guys to see uh, Glasgow all dawned out in the Rainbow Jersey Colts. And probably in rain. Who knows? Uh, do you know what the weather forecast is? Um, it's, I mean, it's always unpredictable in, in <laughs> Scotland, but particularly the West Coast of Scotland. But I think it, it definitely could rain. They did rain back in 2018 at the European Championships, and that completely changed the dynamic of the race. They made it a really, really tough race. I remember there was like Maurit Slamatink was sliding out on one of the corners in the West End, and that sort of ripped up the race completely. If that happens on, on Sunday in the road race, it can make for a very, very different uh, sort of slice of racing. I will also say now that I have the chance to, this is an ever so slightly different course to the 2018 European Championships. Um, that race ended in Glasgow Green, which is the sort of East End park of the city. This time it's ending in George Square with a different approach. There was less sort of kilometers between Montreux Street and the finish last time. This time, Montreux Street is closer to the finishing line. And I think there are actually probably more climbs on this year's route, which will probably make it tougher than 2018 European Championships. Hopefully that entire podium are going to be here, but uh, we'll get to them one at a time. We might as well start with Remco Venepoel, the defending champion, as we know. Despite not having the greatest season, he still picked up a number of decent results. You eat uh, tour Liege Bastille, crucially San Sebastian recently dominating the Giro until COVID. But uh yeah, Remco Venepol, but in that team as well, we've got Wout Venard and they had that dual pronged attack last year. But you and out of this team, they even have Jasper Philipsen in there, Jasper Stoven, Yves Lampard. It's a very, very strong team and almost too many chefs in the kitchen here. That's the thing. Belgium always have this dilemma of sort of almost having too many options. So, Boo-hoo, we have, we have too many potential winners here. They managed to balance it last year after what was a bit of a messy affair in 2021, but that had the added pressure of it being a home world championships and more of an unknown Remco potential. That 2021 wasn't really Remco's year, didn't really get to show himself on the world tour level, and that was more of a hypothetical. But now we know Remco can win the world championships. We know Alvinart could win the world championships, hasn't done it yet, but this looks really good. He performed incredibly well here back in 2018. Yes, that was before sort of the man, the myth, the legend of Wild Venance, but it was a very similar course on a rainy day and with probably more corners and a more technical route on this occasion through Glasgow, it would definitely suit Wild Venance. But he does still have this sort of problem of this like big level race, sort of Wow Van Choke, as he's been called, where he goes to these big level races like Monuments, like World Championships, and just seems to miss the mark. Uh, I'm looking towards sort of his his monument record. He's on the podium an awful lot, but he's only got one monument to his name, even though he's definitely capable of winning more monuments. 
added into that also his shortcomings in reduced bunch sprints. Even over the past year, we saw it this year, Roubaix couldn't beat Jasper Phillips at the end in Noronda van Vlaanderen, got beaten by Mass Pace in Milano San Remo this year, got sort of outfoxed by Pippo Ganna, the World Championships last year, beaten by his teammate Michael Matthews, uh, Monreal last year by Pogaccia, Bayma Classics last year by Marco Haller, and even here in Glasgow back in 2018, he was beaten by Mattia van der Poel and Matteo Trentin. I just find it hard to sort of back wout with all of these setbacks, but he's 100% capable of winning on this kind of course. We know this. He's got that kick to probably get away. He's hardy as well. And he's got that Tour de France legs in him. He looked good at the Tour de France. Yes, he didn't come out with a stage win, but he definitely looked strong. I wanted to see how he's recovered, given that he's now got a newborn baby. I don't know whether that's messed with his fatigue. Maybe he's like slept in a secret lab somewhere so he doesn't get woken up by a crying baby. But I mean, this is all hypothetical. I think it's well, his, second. his second baby, but a newborn baby is going to be crying a lot. That's going to be really intense. And he's come from that and then into the World Championships. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm clutching at straws, but Remco Evenepoel here, the reigning world champion. It feels almost criminal to mention him second here, but Remco Evenepoel has an incredible one day race record over the past uh, 12 months. Since the Edge Bastogne on the Edge last year, there's only been two one day races he hasn't won. The Belgian Championship last year, which was in a sprint on by Tim Mulier, and Banchime Banch, which he got drafted into last minute so he could wear the rainbow jersey last year when he went in the breakaway, had all of his pictures taken in that nice rainbow jersey and just sort of cruised home. Every other race he's done, he's won, whether that be Walter One Day races, monuments, um, the World Championships last year in Australia. He is just incredible when it comes to these one day races. I don't quite know if this is going to be a tough enough course for Remco Evenepoel, but he's got that ability to probably dash away and get rid of everybody and then cruise home. I I, I really would not be surprised if Remco got it. I mean, on this kind of course with lots of corners, you're more likely to have a small group. I'm not expecting a group bigger than four to come to the line, so that could favor Evenepoel as well. So Belgium are in such a good position here. We could be hearing the Brabanson played loud on George Square on Sunday evening. Yeah, like uh, Remco, as you said, go long. Wout pretty much in the middle, could go long or could stay there in the mix in a elite group. And then Jasper Philipsen, who said he isn't going to be sprinting against his teammate, who we're going to talk about next. Well, it is the Macho Van der Poel show in the Dutch team, but uh, the course as well, we've spoken about that before, that it really does lend itself to these cyclocross riders with the number of sharp corners, the punchy affair. It's an extended cyclocross race to some extent. But yeah, how do you see Macho Van der Poel's chances? He's never really done well at the Worlds, uh, as we've spoken about before. Yeah, exactly. It seems like it's kind of his, his shortcoming. Yorkshire, back in 2019, he was under field that day in Leuven. There was an awful lot of pressure on his shoulders. He also had a teammate up the road in Dylan Van Barla, who ended up finishing on the podium regardless. And then last year, it was a complicated affair. I'll say that. If there's a world championship route that's ever suited Van der Poel, I think it's this one. It's got that same altitude gain as as roughly Amstel Gold. He won that back in 2019. It's got those super punchy climbs like Montreux Street, which I think is just perfectly suited for Mathieu Van der Poel to rip out one of those sort of biblical attacks he, he can deliver. He is a big race rider. Yes, maybe not in the world championships, but this year, his monument record is incredible. He was missing the mark this year at the Tour de France, but he sort of, I think he was racing at his own sort of pace, building up and getting ready for the world championships. 
Jacobs is doing a great job in the leadouts for Jesper Phillips as well. So he, he wasn't like anonymous. He was still riding at a high level. And even, I mean, his ability to, to sprint at the end of a hard day's racing as well will also be super valuable if it does come down to reduce bunch sprint well, in George Square as well at the end of this day of racing. I don't think this Dutch team is as strong as World Championship teams they've given in previous years. I'm actually quite surprised by how weak the Dutch team is, to be honest, Scott. It's going to be Dylan van Baala probably really, really teeing this one up. But I'm not going to be, I don't, I'm not expecting to see an awful lot from, from the other teammates. Van der Poel definitely look, looking like a really, really good chance to win the World Championships. Who are you missing in that team? Because we've got obviously Olaf Koy, Pascal Akon, Dan Hula, Mick van Dijk. Is there anyone you could think of that you would put in the squad? Okay, a Kelderman could potentially quite good you could definitely sort of throw in as he said Kelderman maybe like uh I know he's in Poland at the moment but like uh Van den Berg potentially I just think like like the Dutch team is just missing that edge but that might just be a reflection of Dutch cycling not being as strong as it used to be I feel like you're being hard on them <laughs> we'll wait and see I mean it, it's also it's going to be hard to compete with Belgium because like yeah, yeah. that team is just so good on paper yeah it's like the much- Netherlands is still a top five team it's pretty much much of Underpool wins it or not, or Dylan Van Baal finishes third or second. That's kind of their options. Van Baal could could win it. I like. I wouldn't be shocked if Dylan Van Baal went away and won this race. He was climbing super well in the Tour de France, aged into that race really well. He's always done well at these sort of one day races, and sometimes goes under the radar. So, anyways, um, we might as well move on to our rider that is the biggest name in cycling still. Despite finishing second, oh, finishing second in Tour de France is great. Tadugacha, Ewan, late addition to the well Slovenian team to some respect. If you thought the Dutch team was weak, I mean the Slovenian team isn't especially like setting the world on fire, apart from Luka Mezgic and maybe Domanovac to support Tadej Pogacar. But yeah, Tadej Pogacar, terrible record at the Worlds, um, 18th as best so far. So uh, how do you see his chances here in Glasgow? That's the thing. The record's not quite so great. I mean, it leaves me skeptical. Last year, I was so sort of on board Pogacar, really sort of uh, being a, a red hot favorite for that race. Also in the time trial as well, missed the mark on both. Um, this year, it's it's a much weaker Slovenian squad. Uh, Pogacar was drafted in very last minute. We didn't think he was coming here, but he's completely re sort of jiggled around his season, uh, adding in the Wilds, the Wilds TT. I wasn't expecting him to join this team. I thought maybe they would also up the, the level of teammates as well around him, but alas, that hasn't happened so he is probably gonna have to be a bit of a lone wolf Luca Mascets I think is a really really solid rider often does well in, in sort of classic profiles I think he's a little bit underrated as well super experienced as a racer uh, gets on with, with Pogaccio well they know each other uh, of course on and off the bike so that'll be good support for him also Domin Novak as you mentioned now a teammate of Pogaccio I think it's going to be those three I don't really see anybody else in the squad really hanging on till the end um, I like Govacar, but I just think this course is going to be a little bit too difficult for him. But Pogacar's the kind of guy where, I mean, he's a great one-day racer. We know this. He's won the Ronald van Vlaanderen. He's won Liege-Baston-Liege, Lombardia, won a hell of a lot of sort of one-day races. And this one will make sense. It's it, It's got enough sort of vertical altitude gain to really throw his name into the mix, similar to Amstel Gold, as I mentioned. And he won Amstel Gold this year. But does he have a kick that... Van der Poel can't respond to on this kind of profile. I don't know. Was Pogacar running on empty in that final week of the Tour de France? Has he really built back his form enough in the past two weeks to then be up here finding a full form in the World Championships? There's a lot of question marks to be had around Pogacar, and I'm just not quite so confident 
that he's going to be able to get the gold medal here. Yeah, we'll wait and see. I mean, we all want to see Tad Bogacha wearing the rainbow jersey. I mean, that goes for a lot of these riders. We can't not talk about the Danish team. I'm sorry. Uh, but Denmark will bring a very strong team. Obviously, the 2019 champion, Mads Pilsen, is going to be here. Manus Kornilsson, who's recently signed for Uno X Pro Cycling. Sanka Arnesen, Kasper Eskren, Skelmos Jensen, uh, Honoré, Mikael Mørke, Mikkel Bjerg. I mean, you and there's quite a lot of riders who favor this punchy nature course maybe not Mikel Merkel and Mikel Biel but the rest of them are kind of punchy riders all of them pretty much yeah the Danish squad is really really good like this is probably the best Danish squad you could possibly draft here for the world championships and I mean, it, it definitely says a lot and I think their main card in Mads Payson is a really really strong card this course might be a little bit too difficult for him in terms of that the repeat sort of punchy 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 hills that, that we're going to have it might maybe favor a pure climber more or pure climber sort of puncher more than as payerson but if he manages to hold on like he's done it ronda van vlander in the play in the past like he's done at these sort of tougher profiles i think he could be there he's definitely improved his climbing over the past 12 months we saw that at san remo as well where he wasn't right up there with the galacticos but he wasn't too far off and if he's there towards the end in in that sort of in a tough reduced sprint, Mats Pearson's really, really hard to beat in that kind of situation. Add in the rain and that that kind of situation. We know Mats Pearson's good at those kind of weather conditions. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he does manage to back up this World Championships and win another rainbow jersey. Similarly, Kasper Asgrain looked good in the final week of the Tour de France. Skelmorza, maybe if it get, comes down to the more hilly rider profile, he could really shine on this kind of course. Uh, rode a really good World Championships last year as well, Skelmorza. Almost made top five before he got swamped on the line by the main group of favourites. But yeah, Denmark definitely have probably their strongest strongest team in years yeah i think the thing that denmark can benefit from is being not the strongest team so potentially they could just have multiple cards to play and well if it was before the tour i would i would put all my eggs in the matthias skelmose basket but i don't know i don't know how his obviously we don't know how his tour legs are after the tour he was working quite hard for both chicone and pilson well i think skelmose wrote a good tour de france he just wasn't there over the alps and the pyrenees but he doesn't need to be there over the alps and pyrenees he needs to just be there over sort of the climate in the middle of Calvin Grove Park it's not the same it's not quite the same challenges and he looked really good in that first week of the Tour de France and profiles that might look closer to, to this World Championships route than sort of those big alpine days in the tour where he looked black, lackluster I think Skelmoza could definitely be there in the top five could be a bit of a surprise but you know we might as well talk about one of the big nations they finished second last year world champions uh quite recently as well with Julian Philippe but they are bringing Julian Philippe and last year's second place of Christophe Laporte. Uh, the French national team, on paper, very strong. I don't know if form-wise they're such a strong outfit right now, judging by the Tour de France. What do you think? I don't really know. But like, because the French team in the past hasn't been great on form, but they just deliver when they need to at the World Championships. Two gold medals and a silver medal over the past uh, three years. That's incredible. They have this sort of team cohesion Thomas Auclair is like the team director and it seems like he's just like doing a great job at building a squad that keeps delivering in the world championships. But I think that sort of medal record since the COVID break is going to is going to end here in Glasgow. I just don't quite see it sort of materializing. Um Alaphilippe, yes, two rainbow jerseys on his side. And before Lurvin in 20s. 
2021 we were sort of poo-pooing him but then he just arrived but I'm just not seeing that this year he did not have a punch really at the Tour de France getting dropped really early on climbs he shouldn't really have been getting dropped on um because Nafour I mean have we really seen anything from him over the past sort of two months not really Laporte I think is probably the, the, their strongest gun set a really hardy rider um who doesn't mind the rain who should be there over, over these punchy climbs. I think Laporte is probably their best shot, but I just don't see Laporte winning this this World Championship route. I think there are just stronger guys in this start list than Christophe Laporte. So anyways, we don't want to make it a three-hour preview. In terms of uh, outsiders, Ewan, we have plenty of riders that could be in the conversation here. Australia, obviously, very strong in the world. Mike Matthews, third last year but uh switzerland as well mark hirschi's been looking strong uno x sorry norway they're also bringing a quite uh punchy team air trail unfortunately aren't going to be bringing binium gamai uh the reasons for that have been said it's uh because of the san sebastian crash and i mean you and the great britain team as well you always want to see the home team doing well but it's not exactly the most exciting squad that they're bringing fred wright probably the best card maybe or jake stewart as well as we talked about earlier uh italy with matteo trentin who won last time out in glasgow a very interesting team they have uh alberto Becciol could definitely be in the mix and uh yeah who, who are you kind of looking towards in this outsider dark horse role Joao Almeida as well. He's in good form in Poland. Yeah, he is. I'm also looking towards a really good American team. In, uh, I mean, Matteo Jorgensen looked really good in one-day races earlier this year. Nielsen Paulus looked really, really good at the beginning of the year. Rode a fantastic World Championships back in 2021. He could definitely be in the frame. Also, I, I really like the German team for some reason. I, I just feel like we could have like a surprise where like Nils Pollitt is right in the mix towards the end. For some reason, that's just like shouting out at me. And also, New Zealand have a really strong card in Corbin Strong. And also Paddy Bevan, I think, could uh, perform strong on this course. Well, we can't not finish without predictions as well. Ewan, who is your top three for this year's World Championship in Glasgow? Inhale, exhale. I'm going to be boring. And I'm going to say third place goes to Wout Van Aert. Second place goes to Mathieu van der Poel, and the winner's going to be Remco Avenepoel. Oh, boo. I just think his one-day record is so good over the past 12 months. I don't think I realized just how good it was. And he just has this ability to attack, and no one brings him back. And I think that could just happen here. And the World Championships is the kind of race where people get silly in the second group, and they start looking at each other. Because they're a little bit confused. They don't really know what to do. The tactics are sort of more up in the air. So I think Remco Avenepoel, if he's out in front, he's got it in the bag. So now I have to do the un unpredictable one. The one I keep getting uh, comments about that I'm not taking our predictions game serious. But uh, uh, that aside, I think third place is going to go to Matthias Skillenwolz against Nov Denmark. Second place is going to be Tade Bogacha. No, actually, while we're not, and first place, because I said in the 2023 predictions video earlier this year, Macho Van der Poel is going to win the Worlds, and he's going to be the first cyclocross and world a road race champion in the same year. So uh, come on, Macho. Also redemption for last year. Why do you think the UK are going to finish soon? I wouldn't be surprised if they don't feature in top 10. Oof. Okay, that's a bit dummy. But on that note... <laughs> 
that's it for this preview of the World Championships Road Race. Of course, join us on the live stream. We're going to be talking that through and we'll also be covering the time trial as well in a separate preview. So look out for that. But until then, comment down below what you think of what's going to happen in the race. Of course, we always love uh, laughing at our predictions afterwards and hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. And of course, as always, thank you for watching and we will see you around. Thank you.